The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world, built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, tonight I have a good friend of mine here for an in-depth discussion on a wide range of topics. His name is Dan Golvach. We'll get into how he got involved with politics, how he got involved with border advocacy. He is a fantastic person, an unbelievable musician and a good friend of mine dan thank you very much for joining us here at the dustin gold standard glad to be here dustin glad uh appreciate you inviting me on hey so no hey no problem i I wanted to get you on for a while uh but i had to set up 64 episodes first because uh, you were such a uh a well-rounded well-researched uh, person to speak to and so I said let me get all this stuff out of the way and then we can have this big conversation because Dan you follow so many topics you're always sending stuff over in a text chain that I have with you and Chrissy Piccolo who had me on her show recently and Maria Albanese who's on the Thomas Paine podcast every Friday and who hooked me up with Mike Moore over there and you've been on Mike's show the Thomas Paine podcast as well so you're always sending this over you're tracking the technocrats you're tracking the uh you know, leftist commie scum, the worldwide fascists. I mean, you, you're on top of everything. Well, it's the insomnia that does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can I can look at I can sit there and look at it in the dark, or I can uh, you know I can turn on my iPad and, and look at the news and uh, follow. You know, I follow a lot of different uh, blogs and and sites and uh I, I spent a lot of time trying to read about things and get into the minutiae of things just because uh a lot of that started with you know what happened with my son and yeah and we're, and we're gonna get into that uh momentarily dan but I, I it was funny because right before um when you just called me to let me know you were free uh, I had just recorded like a teaser that I put out before the shows telling people what's coming. And I had mentioned in the teaser that you were a musician. And I said, when COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off and I was producing Douglas to Cody's show. And you used to be on that show quite a bit and helped us line up a number of guests that we interviewed a number of experts for the border documentary. We did that. You were sitting home, like totally depressed at the beginning of COVID land when no one really knew what was going on because all of your gigs got canceled because you're a musician and you play out at clubs and restaurants and and events around texas and you were just telling me now it's starting to go into dark season so are you about to hit like deep dark depression again or are you gonna be okay well it's you know i this is a seasonal it's, be, it's become a seasonal business here down in uh, Texas, and you tend to get more work uh, during the spring, summer, and fall. 
months, but uh, you know, once November starts rolling around, it it, it starts to you know a lot a lot of a lot of the venues that I work at will start they'll close down the live entertainment until you know they'll pick it back up in March. So uh, it's just the nature of the business has changed a lot over the past ten or fifteen years, and it's uh, that's just becoming more and more of a uh, pattern that I see and. It's uh, it's unfortunate because you know, come uh, the beginning of the year, well, you got Christmas that you got to spend a bunch of money. Then you got to come up with your taxes and your uh, <laughs> everything else. It just comes at a bad time, and uh, so it's 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 as much as I love the weather change. You know, today I went out on my mountain bike and uh, it was just beautiful. It felt perfect. It was like. 68 degrees and just like I couldn't get enough of it uh but uh it's just you know you always have that gloom and doom you know where when you're in your business for yourself like I am uh and you don't you look at your calendar and it looks anemic well it's it's a kind of a dark feeling but I'm kind of getting used to it uh you know that's where a little faith comes in you know I mean ultimately at the end of the day I have to say turn things over and just say it's in your hands and uh you well, know, I mean, i'll do the best i can and i don't worry about it i think maybe that's the main reason why we're here is to learn how to do that <laughs> you know definitely well i remember also back during the beginning of um covid on doug's show we used to ask the audience, and we had a pretty big uh, audience then, we used to ask them to send us videos of what they were doing to kill time when everyone was on lockdown. And I remember you started sending a bunch of videos of you uh, hiking out in, the, uh, out in the woods near your house. And then eventually in the last, was it six to 12 months, you ended up picking up this mountain bike. And one of the things we talk about on the show is just little things you could do in your life to escape the matrix, how, how you can live one foot in and one foot out. And most of us have to live one foot in because that's where you go make food coupons, you know, your money. And then how do you um, withdraw from the matrix when you have the opportunity? And I think that was one of the things with COVID is it seemed like you had reconnected with nature. Oh, yeah, uh, I have. Uh, you know, I've, I, you know, I've always walked the dog and I like walking the dog and I like I like getting out. There's, uh, I live, fortunately, uh, I'm right where the uh, suburbs meet the rural area north of Houston. And so just, you know, within a couple of blocks from my house, I'm, I'm, I've got to feed into the woods and the creeks and, the, uh, it just becomes a, a big nature, you know, I mean, many, many miles of nature trails and, uh, just, you can hike all day and not see anything man-made. And I love that, and it uh, it it is a source of sanity uh, for me. Uh, just you know, uh, that's it's kind of like almost going to church. Not that I worship the nature; it's just that when I'm out there, I feel more at peace, and I can talk to God, and I can I can collect my thoughts, and I can I can kind of realign my thinking and not wander off into the weeds worrying about this, that, or the other. And it's, I just found it to be very therapeutic, whether I'm with my dog or I'm on my bike. And this mountain bike, uh, a lot of fun. I've, it's an e-bike, actually. It's an e-mountain bike. This is my second one, and it's just a blast. And it doesn't go quite fast enough for me to do too much damage to myself. 
So you don't Even put the I, dog. I, I spilled. I, I'm sorry. So you, you don't put the dog in a basket in the front like ET and run. No. <laughs> too big. He's a, he's a, he's half lab and the other half is border cover. He's like 70 pounds now. So he, he just, uh, it wouldn't work out, but, uh, you know, I'll walk him in the morning and then I come back and if it's a day off, then I get on that, but I walk every day. I try to walk every day before I go to the gig or whatever, but you know, if I have a day off and when I get back, I'll hop on the bike and go for a couple hours and, uh, uh, it's just good fun. And, uh, you know, the bike could get about between 20 and 30 miles, depending on what type of surface I'm riding on. Uh, on one charge, so it's pretty cool. I, I really enjoy it. it. You know, here I am, almost sixty years old, and I'm doing something I thought I would never be able to do again. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, when I met my uh, wife, who you met, I actually mentioned that in the trailer to this episode that we went and had dinner with you and when we were in Texas. But when I had met her, she she grew up uh, in Poland, came over here when she was nineteen to go to college, and so she grew up uh, Polish polish catholic which you know catholicism is huge there but she had told me over the years you know she stopped going to to church but she has hiked mountains all over the world she's been to 47 countries including poland and the united states and she said i just feel closer to god than uh than anywhere else on earth when i'm standing on top of a mountain staring into the sun you know she said i feel closer there than in any other place so uh, I, it was well, amazing when I met her and she told me this the first night that we actually met each other she was telling me about this feeling she gets and she's like do you like to go out in nature I said yeah actually I do but I haven't had a lot of time and she's like well I'm going to make you do it so <laughs> she has made me do it because you know, let's face it when you're out there you're, you're, you're seeing God's artwork okay you're seeing you're seeing that the, the the infinite amazing creative power of the creator and it it makes you realize that you know how real it is and how real he is and uh you realize you know humanity can't make something like this you know we we can try to to do uh you know you can try to to uh, pervert it like uh like Yuval Harari or, you know or, or the the transhumanist cult is, but you can't really make something that's this glorious and this beautiful and just full of life. Uh, humans can't do that. And, uh, it, it just, to me, it just brings me to the divine. It does every time. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I'm glad you just brought that up because it's a point that I make to my audience all of the time that uh, these people like Yuval Noah Harari or Bill Gates or Peter Thiel or Jeff Bezos or, you know, any of these guys, uh, these technocratic transhumanists, they may want to play God, they may want to be God, but at the end of the day, they're nothing more than hackers, pirates, hijackers, you know, thieves. That's all they are. Because if they were gods, they'd snap their fingers and their new being would be there. Instead, all they do is focus on hacking the human mind 
mind, hacking the human genome, splicing DNA, building robots that look like humans, building artificial intelligence that operates on uh, everything they've been able to hack from the brain. But where I think they fail and their plans fail in the future, they may have do a lot of destruction uh, by the time this is revealed. But the one piece that they cannot duplicate, and this is what I think pisses them off, because uh, they are psychopaths and they have declared war on humanity. It, sadly, most humans don't know that. But they'll never be able to duplicate the soul. That's the piece of the puzzle that they cannot figure out. They can't figure out how to duplicate the soul. They can't even make a cheap imitation. I mean, it's life. They can't. They can manipulate life that's already there. They can. Uh, they might be able to try to. Uh, I guess mirror it through uh, AI and, and, and advanced digital technology and try to come up with some gizmo that stimulates it, but they really can't create the soul. They can't even really create the simplest life form, like a leaf. You know, the, it, that's, that's, they're, they're just trying to create uh, some sort of artificial utopia uh, to try to escape, you know, the the uh, discomfort that every person on the planet feels because being alive, that we're you know the, the fact that we're not in heaven, we're we're on a fallen earth, and uh, good things and bad things happen. But they they just want they think they can eliminate all the bad things and make life hunky dory for themselves. Of course, they. They've also calculated into this that, well, if we're going to do that, we can't do that with this many people on the planet. So, uh, you know, we've got to come up with some nifty way to talk, you know, the majority of the people under the planet to walk in the plank. Which is what they're, you know, what they're 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 coming at it from uh, a, a myriad of tactics. Uh, but it's all aimed at doing one thing is, you know, they're, there's, it's designed to herd us into their corral where they can process us and determine which ones, which ones of us are, uh, suitable to, uh, serve their new, new world order utopia and which ones aren't and the ones that aren't will get, um, will get dusted and the ones that are they're they're going to be hooked up to the machine so they can be controlled and not have any free will or you know oh dan definitely i mean that that's a lot of what i cover here let me let me just play you 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 this clip real quick and i'm sure you've heard it and i played it for the audience in the past probably 50 episodes ago just a short clip from yuval noah harari because you just mentioned um free will but just to show how brazen and how evil these people are and uh for people that are tuning in for the first time you know it's not like yuval noah harari is just some you know pothead eighth grade biology teacher or um um some sort of uh, nutcase uh walking around you know on the street corner <laughs> just ranting this guy is the king philosopher of the world economic forum the fourth industrial revolution the side piece to klaus schwab and uh when he speaks he speaks to the billionaires he speaks to the people that wield power wield influence and control all of the wealth some of them including barack obama and mark zuckerberg have called him the 
prophet of our time. So let me just play you this little clip, Dan, and then we'll continue to go down this path because I want to talk a little bit about your background in theology and stuff like that. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Yeah, you see that, Dan? So we need a new form wow. of democracy. We need a new form of democracy because the days of you having a soul, a spirit, and free will are over. Right? And when you were texting me earlier today about some of the stuff you wanted to talk about, you had mentioned that they want to corral you into this new system that you just talked about before I played the clip. And that's what he's referring to right there. We need a new form of democracy that centers around the fact that you, and he's called us all useless humans before hackable animals, that you peasants, you plebeians, you useless hackable animals uh, are going to live in because we've deemed it that you have no free will, you have no soul, you have no spirit. Well, if you think about it, Justin, one of their goals is, you know, immortality, just like you hear Jared Kushner talk about it. I may be the first generation that, that doesn't uh, die, you know, so I got to take care of myself. Well, yeah, okay, so let's follow the logic there. If you think that you're going to live forever, that you're going to have technological advances that, uh, that accommodate that, then you can't very well have more people being born on the planet. You've got to reduce the population because you're not going to be completing the cycle anymore. You're going to be staying here. So you can't just keep stacking up people. They know this. These psychopaths, actually, that's what they're, they're shooting for is immortality. And they, they say, well, if we're going to do that, if we're going to be here forever, then we can't just keep adding on and adding on because eventually the boat tips right and the, the lifeboat sinks and they view earth as the lifeboat and you know once you 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 fill up to over capacity well the thing starts to sink and they know this so they've got to do what they've got to do to get those numbers down so they can have their great reset or their build back better which doesn't doesn't include us it really <laughs> should be build build back better for them <laughs> That's what it is. Build back better for us. And no, you're right about that. Yeah. Because if we have, let's say, let's say the numbers are accurate and there's 7.7 billion people on the planet Earth, as I've explained several times um, on the show, is that they have to cap that somewhere. They can't give immortality with all of their life extension techniques. And they're working on everything from nanobots they inject into their bloodstream to being able to genetically splice, grow babies in synthetic wombs, upload their minds to the cloud, and then beam the minds down into either a new baby or like a nanobot Iron Man suit. And this isn't uh, crazy conspiracy theory stuff. I've broken this down on the show in their own words one of the 
foremost thinkers in this space that's been around for 40 years is Ray Kurzweil, chief engineer at Google. He used to work for Microsoft, but he is one of the founding members of the modern singularity movement, which is the merger of man and machine. I mean, he talks about this stuff openly. Yuval Noah Harari talks about this stuff openly. Peter Thiel talks about it openly. These guys don't hide it. Um, Now, people may say, well, they're just crazy. I'm like, well, yeah, I agree with you. They're crazy. But the, the scary part is they wield power and they wield influence and they do control wealth and they're all make they all make up what is the private public sector state that is basically this new world order i mean they are in power right now and dan before we continue i'm just going to play the clip quick because i had it up for people that haven't heard it i mean this is the clip of jared kushner that dan just referenced friend and and then finally i think that from uh you know the last year the one thing i've tried to put a priority on since i left the white house was you know getting some exercise in i think that there's a a good probability that my generation is hopefully with the advances in science either you know the 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 first generation to live forever or the last generation that's going to die and so uh, we need to keep ourselves in in pretty good shape yeah okay dan that's the clip and for the audience i just want to tell you this because i'll stick it in now dan had the pleasure of meeting this wonderful young fellow <laughs> i wouldn't call it a pleasure i tell you <laughs> i never felt felt like i was around rosemary's baby it was that creepy that guy creeped me out it was just a dark spiritual feeling that i got around him and what would dan and when was that, that was it, that what was that 2016 i first met him yeah i met him in 2017 it was briefly i really didn't even chat with him i just it was just in passing but you know i was there with president trump at the time in the in the roosevelt room and we were doing a, a press a comp uh you know, it was uh, regarding, uh, I think it was uh border security bill that he was trying to pass. But, uh, yeah, I was there with, it was the third or fourth time that I was with President Trump. And so he, he just happened to be there. And it just, it just gave me uh, the woolies. He really gave me the woolies. It was just a very, I never went back to D.C. after that. I never wanted to go back there. It just, the whole town, to be honest with you, Dustin. I just felt like I was in a very dark place spiritually. My my spirit would tell me this is not a good place. There's a lot of bad people here. There's a lot of bad spirits here. This it's just a very I mean for lack of a better term, demonic place. Oh yeah, I, I mean I, I feel that. Yeah. It was very oppressive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it uh, and it feels very I, I, it, it's very a fair it's very fake there too. I did a lot of business in and out of DC over the years um, as I was in corporate entertainment, and my specialty was I managed and developed political impersonators. So I had characters like Sarah Palin, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Mitt Romney, uh, George Bush, Bill Clinton. So we would do a lot of conferences in DC when companies or associations were having a dinner for their PAC, like their political action committee, and we did a lot of political events there. And yeah, it's it's always very like fake. Uh, it does feel very dark 
pe- people there are very strange. And I know people um, through my wife that live and work around there. And she lived in that uh, area before we met. And she's like, everybody there is just very pretentious. Everybody's fake. Everybody's a liar. Everybody's some kind of government worker or government contractor or spook. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's really disgusting, to be <laughs> honest. You know, I mean, the, my synopsis for all of that is, I, I mean, I could go on for hours about it, but I guess it just comes down to this. I mean, campaigns are expensive and the devil is rich. And, you know, uh, what you have is basically a, it's a cabal. Uh, they all get in on it. They all start drinking from the trough and, uh you know, if you're going to be in, if you're going to be an elected official there, you're going to have any any kind of uh, way at all. Uh, you're going to have to play the game. And the game is, this isn't a, a government by the people for the people. It's the government by the people for the, uh, you know, the elite globalist goon donor class. And if people think that just extends to the Democrat Party, well, they're they're sadly mistaken. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, Dan, Dan, when did you first meet, um, because you just had mentioned uh, being there when Trump was announcing a border bill that he was trying to get passed. When did you first meet uh, Trump? I first met uh, Trump in uh, October of 2015 uh, when he came to Beaumont and uh, you know I'm an angel father and uh, there was a group of us and he we were back there with Maria Espinosa the Remembrance Project and he uh, was doing a rally there and we so we all met him there was about a dozen of us and he picked I say half of us and he picked me uh, to come up on the stage with him and, you know, give the crowd our story. And, and, uh, I stood right there with him and he didn't tell me what to say. He just said, go up there and tell your story. And so I did. And then, uh, he did a few more events with Maria Then I met him. And then, uh, you know, after he became president, um, he called me, his uh, office called me to come up there and, be present for a uh, for this legislation he was trying to get passed, uh, and uh, so it was uh, you know a little little meeting that we had, a little round table we had there in the Roosevelt Room. They had all the press there, and that's when uh, I, I uh, crossed paths with Jared, and uh, it was it was a really surreal, eerie feeling. It just I just got the feeling that this guy is, there's something really deceptive about him. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, that was the, you know, and then of course, a couple of years later, you hear him talking about this stuff. And I've always been kind of suspicious of him. As a matter of fact, that's one of my criticisms of President Trump. I think one of his biggest Achilles heels was his son-in-law. And I think it was very inappropriate for him to have that guy in there with that, giving him that much uh, leeway in his administration. It's just straight up nepotism, and I, I, uh, I didn't care for it. 
Yeah, so before that and occurred... Maybe- d- oh, I'm I was going to say, but before that occurred, Dan, um, I mean, you were well aware of... I mean, you had followed politics. You were well aware of Trump. You were well aware of Jared Kushner. It's not like you were just... You know, some dope off the street. I mean, you you had been yeah. following this stuff for a while. You had been researching. I, I mean, just so the audience knows, like you had been doing research on things like you know Illuminati, all that kind of stuff for twenty years before this uh, unfortunate situation. We'll get to what happened in your life oh, that ended up leading you to yeah, Trump. I mean, you you had been studying this stuff for years before that occurred. Well, I'm fifty nine, and I I first got. Uh, enamored with this stuff when I was about 17. Uh, and I started reading, of course, when the internet uh, became available, then the, you know, the information highway, then there was a lot more. Uh, I was, wasn't was just shackled to go and buying a book in some store. You know I mean? It was just suddenly I had a wealth of material I could research. And, uh, and I just kind of got fixated on it for one reason or another. And so it's I've always been trying to follow the rabbit holes and uh, understand, you know, why the world works the way it does, and you know, just try to unravel the, you know, the mysteries and the riddles, and uh, uh, follow the shell game, so to speak. Right. So and, then, uh, um, so I'm sorry about that. There's a delay sometimes, so it sounds like uh, I apologize if I cut you off. It sounds like you're ending sometimes, so I jump in. But um, no, so you had this uh, situation. Uh, I have I did not get into this um, in the introduction to this show because I wanted to have you tell it in your own words. Um, so you had this situation occur with your son Spencer, uh, and you talked about some of this on the Thomas pain podcast with mike uh we've talked about it in depth back when i produced the douglas dakota show but why don't you just explain the situation in your words i mentioned it before uh when i did a special with maria albanese when i filled in for mike Moore about a month ago but why don't you explain it in your in your own words uh for people that are just starting to listen to this show yeah 